1: Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast Stardom is within your reach.
0: I'm Lior Phillips, host of This Must Be The Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music. Speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
1: Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at wfpk.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. As usual, I want to say hello to all of you all who uh, who check us out, uh, check this uh, this series out uh, throughout the week. New interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Always appreciate you listening uh, to the subscribers out there. If you're not already, uh, maybe you'll get inspired. Maybe you'll hit the subscribe button. Whether you've you've heard the series before and just haven't done it, or this is your first time, uh, go ahead and make the jump. You can find us uh, anywhere you get your podcast from. That includes the big ones, uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Podchaser, Acast, Stitcher, anywhere you get yours. Just type in Kyle Meredith with. And I'm Kyle Meredith. Today my guest... Perfume Genius, going to be talking with Mike about this new record called Set My Heart on Fire Immediately. It's a gorgeous, lush record with a lot going on, a lot of different styles within, and we're going to talk about the players that have helped make that possible Uh, Jim Keltner, Pino Palladino, Matt Chamberlain, all legendary players. He teams back up with Blake Mills to help produce this again. So I want to hear about those relationships. And then we'll back up a bit. Uh, There was a a performance piece that he was a part of, that Mike was a part of, called The Sun Still Burns Here. It was based on movement and dance. And uh, first, I want to hear exactly what it was and two, how it informed the record. And then we'll get into some of the themes, too, like concepts of masculinity, uh, not just in the music, but even in the artwork. Some very beautiful beautiful images that he's put out so far and the songs of course the songs uh describe the very first single you'll hear this again in the interview but it, i liken it to my bloody valentine and jeff buckley together it, it's just this really heavy thing that sounds great on his voice and the second single too on the floor which has got more of a, a, a old school rock and roll vibe i mean rock and roll like 1950s like motown stuff so let's jump into this talking about this record set my heart on fire immediately it's Kyle Meredith with Perfume Genius. Hi. My compliments first. Set my heart on fire immediately. What uh, uh, an outstanding record that you've done once again. It's been such a joy, I guess is the right word, to listen to this. Congratulations. Thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to deflect from you too much, but I did want to ask about the crew that you were working with on this, because am I reading this right? Jim Keltner, Pino Palladino, and Matt Chamberlain?
2: Yep. That's part of the crew. That's pretty intense um, list for sure. Yeah, real to be able to work with those guys.
1: That's what I'm thinking. Like, if I were to put together a dream team <laughs> of musicians, I mean, these three would definitely be a, a part of that. Uh, did you seek them out, and and what was the experience like? Like, I think of when I you know think of Jim as one of the greatest session drummers of all time, and and Matt always brings this uh, really amazing jazzy feel to it. And of course, Pino might be the greatest you know bass player. At what he does, like, was that on your mind? Did you need them specifically? I mean, I'm certainly happy to specifically have them, but
2: I mean, a dream team is a dream team for a reason. Like it felt like out of my reach, but Blake is my producer. Blake Mills has worked with them before. And, you know, I really definitely credit him with, with having those connections and and having those guys, you know, I've Pino played on my last record and so did Matt. And so I had some working relationships with them before. I mean, this record, we wanted it to be live and we wanted to assemble a band and, and play as much as we could together and and capture the performance in the room instead of kind of layering things after the fact and kind of piecemealing it together. We wanted to have the bulk of of all the songs as complete as as we could have them with just a recorded moment. And so, I mean, having those guys be the ingredients that that cook it all up is intense and and made it a lot easier to have that happen pretty instantaneously.
1: So. Well, you have such interesting song structures. I mean, uh, it doesn't feel like you're you're afraid of a, a left turn. You know, uh, uh, those kind of movements are are, are common in, in a lot of your songs. And when you're working with these type of professionals, or just anyone, I, I should really throw that to anyone. It doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like. With a lot of artists, you know, songs are just jamming, and eventually they kind of find their way. I don't get that sense with you. These sort of seem like more planned out, and you're saying, you know, that you wanted them pretty far to a certain degree anyway, but but I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, when you're talking to other musicians, how much conversation has to go in where you have to point out your exact vision for what a song does?
2: I make pretty fully fleshed-out demos for all my songs at home before I take them to the studio. and I'm not super sacred about keeping anything beyond the, the map of it, you know? I'm okay with it sounding completely different than the demo as long as the spirit is intact. And so we spend... Sometimes, like, listening to the demo and talking about it a little bit, but if you're working with people of that caliber, they can follow you pretty easily, even if you're jumping off a cliff after being on it for just a split second. <laughs> <laughs> and I also don't have anything to compare it to. Like, my songs, I've always kind of written that way, and I've been comfortable just shifting and changing whenever it instinctually feels right. You know, I mean, I've listened to music for a long time, and I know that that's happened before, but it's not super common to just, like, have... I don't know. I think maybe some other people would would split some of my songs into three parts or or extend sections and have them be their own thing. But sometimes, most of the time, it feels whole to keep it all there.
1: Do you feel those changes coming when you write a song? Is it it obvious that everything's about to go in a very different direction?
2: I mean, it's almost almost like weird little mini chapters. Sometimes it'll be... It'll just come to an end and then but it won't feel done. You know, it'll feel like there's a next chapter but it's the same story. It, or and sometimes I can I can feel it blossoming or distilling as I'm as I'm writing it. But honestly I, I don't really know why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like almost some of it's math and some of it's deliberate and some of it feels more just like a kind of channeling spiritual thing when I get just kind of open to it and I just don't try to control it too much and let it go wherever it wants.
1: That's well, one of my favorite things uh, about what you do. And with this record, I think I know a part of it kind of starts, I mean, a lot of records, you know, we talk about what happens before. And, and one of the things that kind of leads into this is something called The Sun Still Burns Here. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about um, what exactly that is and and how it influenced uh, what happened with this album.
2: Well, it was uh, essentially like a dance and music collaboration between me and a choreographer named Kate Wallach and her company the YC and I mean from the very beginning conversations that we had we wanted those things to be together not next to each other I didn't want us like me and the band to be playing music and the dancers be on the other side of, of the stage I wanted to sing and Al my partner who played with me this whole time I wanted him to, to dance too and I wanted the dancers to sing if they could sing I don't know I want we wanted this this braid of everything together and so I wrote the music like that and, they, and we formed the dance that way and she wrote the dance and with, with all that in mind we're kind of building this new world altogether. But I don't know, it changed a lot for me. It shifted a lot about how I think yeah. art is made, like what I'm capable of and what my body can do and it really messed me up in a good way.
1: <laughs> I, it reminds me like um, uh, David Byrne on his most recent set. I mean, he got he got a lot of accolades for his stage presence, but but he he's talked a lot about uh, incorporating movement even in the way he writes the song, in, in the words, in, you know, in in the actual notes, that it's not just a mm-hmm. physical thing. It sort of makes its way into that. Is that similar for you as well? I think so.
2: I'm mean, like definitely informed of this album a lot because usually my process of writing is super super isolated and solitary. In the beginning, you know, it eventually involved a lot of people, but the core ideas and the core kind of dreams are, are, I build them by myself. But with the dance and even the music, this time was built in a room with other people from the very beginning. All the seeds that we are planting were built together and they were built physically and like in a room and it was very like tangible. Like I was holding people and being held and, and I still felt all that kind of wildness and kind of magic of of writing, which used to be something that I only really felt and only kind of had that transcendence when I was alone. And now I'm having it with people and connected to the well, to the world and to like my body. And, and that changed a lot for me in my, my daily life and, and what I, I wanted. And even like what a lot of these songs are about, it's kind of trying to channel that and kind of bring all these abstract ideas and feelings and things that are confusing and, and funnel them and channel them into something physical and, and moving and, and real.
1: What's Interesting juxtaposition, maybe? I don't know if that's the right word for this. We see the artwork, and there's a very masculine thing going on. I think I've, I've read you talking about, you know, sort of um, deconstructing masculinity. How does what you're talking about right there, with, with movement, with being carried and carrying? how does that fit with the concept of of masculinity for you
2: i mean all of those things have always existed in equal measure at the same time for me i mean i know presenting you know in one direction more than the other is a choice but it, it doesn't it's not at the expense of the other one in my opinion <laughs> um i guess i have just i just always just do what i want and i just feel i it's confusing to me so much of it is confusing because of how that i've told to be you know pick one or, or just sort it out or I don't know. I just want to be covered in dirt, really, essentially. It's what it boils down to. I don't really know why, but um, that's what I'm doing. It's beautiful and artwork. I think part of it is this kind of earthly, like kind of connected earthly thing. You know, I'm trying to just bring all this stuff that is always swimming around and buzzing around that I'm always trying to process and, and deal with and just like bring it to the ground and bring it to something I can roll around in.
1: I do love it. I mean, even just as artwork alone, even without the music, it's it's such beautiful art that is a part of this. Uh, sure. with, you know, with both images I'm, I've seen so far, um, I want to hit on a couple of the songs too. Uh, describe uh, that that first single that we're hearing. It's to me, it's like My Bloody Valentine meets Jeff Buckley. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the Jeff Buckley song "Yard of Blonde Girls." It sort of r- reminds me a little bit of that. Where did that sound come from? I mean, it, again, is that something you went for? Because that that heavy fuzz it suits you really, really well.
2: I thought the last record was going to be a lot more, um, I don't know, like overtly rock and rolly or something. I thought it was going to be much more organic and bandy in it, but it went to kind of a wilder, more layered place. In You know, I think we all knew that I wanted to have elements of that in this record. And the songs that I wrote suited it more. But that specific song I wrote as a kind of very plaintive, melancholy, slow ballad, almost like gentle and and very sad. But when I played the demo, Blake heard that guitar coming out like that and then keeping both of those ideas intact, like keeping the the vocal very gentle and soft and still close to the ear and the, the guitar heavy and sludgy I don't know. I feel like it enhanced both things. Like it lifted up the kind of desperation of the vocal, and it it, it made the guitar even more um, punishing.
1: I love it. It's it's a it's a great introduction too. You you mentioned the rock and roll. I mean, you do get that, uh, of course, on the uh, on the on the second single with on, on the floor. I mean, that's got some fifties rock and roll. It's got some Motown happening mm-hmm. there, and it's quite the difference to describe too, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, it all comes from the same place, and it all came from the same people playing. So. I don't know. I'm not super. Um, I, to me, they they don't feel maybe as different. People. <laughs> you know? I'm happy to shift. Yeah. And just switch.
1: So. Nothing new for you on the shifting. Uh, again, Mike, it's made for just a really outstanding record with "Set My Heart on Fire Immediately." Uh, I honestly do love it. Thank, thank you me. for this music and uh, and thank you for the conversation today. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for calling. All right, it's been a pleasure. We'll uh, we'll see you around. Take care. You too. Okay. My thanks to Mike right there. The new perfume genius record is called "Set My Heart on Fire Immediately." Thanks to Mike. Thanks to you for checking out this episode too. Uh, again, if you're not already a subscriber, I really do hope you take the moment to hit that subscribe button to keep up with us. Uh, there's new interviews that are released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover new artists and just uh, you know know what's happening in the music world. Uh, you can find us uh, all the big places like Spotify, YouTube iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And after that, head to wfpk.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, and bonus interviews as well. Again, that's wfpk.org. Consequenceofsound.net has your music and film news. You can also find me on just about any social media platform, at Kyle Meredith. Come say hi and uh, do the likes and follows over there as well. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time.